0: Morning, High Point Church. How are you, man? I thought you guys would be more excited about that Badger win than that. You know, the earlier service, like four four uh, straight times in the final 16, they were almost ready to cheer and go into, you know, the the fourth quarter football kind of thing, the party. You know, over over the great news. Um, I'm, maybe it's just me, I'm, I am a huge basketball fan. I haven't seen any of these tournament games. I've been too busy. But when I get home today, today is my day. I'm going to watch some hoops. Um, we are uh, in a series in 2 Peter, and um, where we are learning that we have everything that we need uh, to live a life of godliness. And um, I'm going to do something uh, brave. I'm going to try to do this uh, memory verse without uh, looking, all right? Uh, Nicole put us to shame at the staff meeting this week. She was able to recite it and I was like, man, tell me some of your tricks of the trade. And she was like, well, I went to my, uh, my, my iPhone and put a memo out there and played it over and over again and then just practiced it and I had it down. And I was like, so how many of you have ever memorized more than like two or three verses? More than that, okay? Good, a good. Chunk. Not, not that many, about 20%. So like me, I'm a two-verse memorizer, all right? That's my limit. I can get two verses, maybe three, right? So this one is really stretching me out, you know, eight verses. So here we go, Second Peter 2, verses 1 through 3. His divine nature has given us everything we need for, for life and godliness, so that through these... Stop. through our knowledge of, our, of, of him who called us by his glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them we may partake of the, his divine nature and escape the corruption in this world caused by lust. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly love, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these things in increasing measure, you will not be ineffective or unproductive in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For anyone who does not have these things is nearsighted and blind and forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. For this… Therefore, my brothers… Stop right there. I got to get this right. I got to get it. i worked so hard on this last paragraph. (laughs) Therefore, my brothers, be ever to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fail and you will, it, stop, I got to get this right, <laughs> so you will receive a rich into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. All right, so this should give you courage. If the, if, if. If an associate pastor can embarrass himself by coming before you and really trying to work through through this, I find that there's like these three paragraphs that you're kind of breaking into chunks, right? The first one, going through evil desires. I tried to just memorize that. And the next one with that long list of attributes of things that we should we should uh, try to be more like Jesus. And then that last conclusion. I think if you break it into that, and if you listen to it all the time, and even while you're at your son's uh, track meet, if you turn over to your wife and say, hey, let's work on this scripture in between, you know, maybe we'll all get there. Next week, we'll just have the, cards we won't have them up on scripture so why do we do this for us the word of god is life and uh, all, not every time can we have our bible at our fingertips even though now with our cell phones they almost are at our fingertips uh, sometimes we need the word in our hearts and in our minds so that we will know the truth and can walk in it so that's why we're practicing that with this okay all right Think rightly and stand firm. This is the sixth sermon in the series. And why it's so impactful for me is that I feel like Peter has given us the cream of the crop. Um, Whenever someone knows their time is short and they're trying to give wisdom to some beloved person, you're getting the things that are, that you're getting their heart. And so Peter has given us his heart in terms of how we can walk in the faith, be pleasing to God, and receive all of the blessedness of the Christian life that Christ would have for us, right? And at the same time, uh, deal with uh, endure persecution and overcome false teaching. Stay on track, right? So he's given us his best stuff. That's why I like this book. So we've talked about being firmly established. We've talked about recognizing the false teachers. We've talked about how God will judge the ungodly in due time. That, that his patience is not, does not mean that he's not going to keep his word. His patience is grace, right? Uh, so today we're going to look at uh, 3, 1 through 7. I'm actually going to first focus on just the first two verses, but you need all seven so that you understand what he's trying to warn against. Here they are. Second Peter 3, 1 through 2, 1 and 2. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given to you, given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, he goes on, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the the world of that time was deluged and, and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. So what Peter wants to deal with now is a specific kind of error called scoffing in this case um the people of of the time when the scriptures were written even the faithful disciples believed that jesus would come in any moment and when it took 10 20 30 or 40 more years the false teacher said see yeah we we heard i didn't see him but we heard testimony of this jesus but you said he's coming soon and, and time is delaying. And what you need to know is that from the very earliest days of the church, this particular heresy about the return of Christ has always been out there. But the, the church has all, always held on to three, three fundamental things. That Jesus will return and he will gather his people. That Jesus will return and he will destroy the wicked that Jesus will return and he will establish his kingdom. So we stand on these truths, and these are things that are promised both in the Old Testament and that Jesus himself said in the New. I like the way John Piper talks about it. He talks about it this way. He, Peter, probably had in his mind prophetic words like Malachi 4, 1 and 2 behold the day comes burning like an oven when all the arrogant and evil doers will be stubble but for you who fear my name i like these buts when it comes to talking about judgment right that there is a distinction between the humble who receive jesus and the and the arrogant who consistently reject him he's saying there is a distinction on how god will deal with us there is grace he hasn't come yet As long as we live, there's an opportunity to come into his kingdom, but there will be a judgment. And he sees a difference between those who've received him and those who haven't. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. You shall go forth leaping like calves from the stall. And when Peter speaks of the commandment of the Lord and Savior in verse 2, he probably has in view words like Matthew 24 and 42. Watch therefore, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. And I like the way in Acts 1 11, where Jesus is just about to uh, ascend and go back to heaven. That the, his disciples ask him, Lord, when is your, when is your time? Is this the time when you will establish your kingdom? And he says to them, it's not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Judea, Samaria, and to the other parts of the world." And so this is the time for the church to be the church, to love uh, the brothers, to graciously take the truth to the end of the world, and it's for Jesus to know when his time is coming. It's certain just like he died just like he rose again just like he lives in our individual hearts you can depend that he will return for his own today I am going to talk about the first two verses. Next week, Pastor Nick is going to pick up this particular heresy, the scoffing about the second coming of Jesus Christ. He's going to delve deeper into that in verses three through nine. Today I want to focus on this. This is the key message I have. Remember the word so that you can think rightly and stand firm. Second Peter 1, 12 and 15. So. You'll remember this from earlier, uh, um, the second sermon in our series. I will always remind you of these things. Even though you know them and are firmly established, you can never get enough of the Word of God into your heart and into your mind. I don't care if you're 70 or 80 years old and you've been walking with Jesus since uh, since you were 10 that because we are human beings and we're such forgetful creatures, just like you need a shower every morning, you need to be steeped in the word every day in order for you to grow, right? I, got, I have this nice tr- trees out in my lawn, but I wonder how many seasons without water before these strong trees would start drying up and, and with no leaves. It, would, it probably wouldn't take very long. And so it is with us, trees of righteousness as it were. We need to keep coming back to the source of our strength, the source of our, of our life. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Man, he's, he's like just... He won't let go of this very notion that we have to remember the word of God and grow in it. Major theme of this book. Today I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about the consequences of not staying rooted in the word. That's the first thing I want to do. What, what are the consequences? What happens to a Christian when they ignore their own souls? Their, their own um, growing in Christ. When they ignore that, what happens? And then I want to talk about how it is that you practically can stay rooted and established in the Word of God. Two things I want to do today. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5 says this. Everything we have is through our understanding in our minds. Um, I think as I've gotten older, I've gotten a greater appreciation that real life is dictated by how you think. It's about what you believe. It's about what you learn and continue to grow in. And so when Paul is talking about uh, dealing with counterattacks, he tells us to deal with our thoughts and minds. Here's how he says to deal with the enemy. He doesn't say get in the Christian bubble. He doesn't say fight with the sword. He says deal with arguments and thoughts. Second Corinthians 10 and five, he says, we demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I think it's Pastor Nick that came up with this notion of gracious striving, right? That there's a mental effort that is required for us to live a godly life. And we have to pay attention to what we read and what we see and what we hear. And and we have to discern, Nick from last week, we've got to discern the difference between truth and error. And it's an ongoing daily repetitive exercise that we all that every christian needs to be involved in it's a it's, it's it's gracious striving god gives you the ability to do it if you once you become a christian he gives you the holy spirit he gives you brothers and sisters in christ he gives you teachers he gives you the scripture but you still have to do the, the fighting, the tearing down of arguments, the building up of your faith, these things you need to participate in on a regular basis. Now, when you don't do these things, when you don't tear down arguments and take thoughts captive, as I have thought through this, these four things are the things that you need to, you'll be subject to, Christians will be subject to. Doubts, weakness of faith, intimidation, rejection. I had this um, extended conversation here in Madison. What I love about Madison is that the heart of the citizens are to do good. Uh, I think this is true whether you're an atheist, a Christian, or or any Buddhist, Hindu, that something about Madison, there's a sense that you you ought to be helping your, your fellow man. And so I sat down with um, a person who's working for a nonprofit and wants to get Christians involved in in doing good, helping the homeless here in town. And his argument went something like this. Uh, I used to be a Christian, in fact, I still consider myself a Christian. But I have went to, I have tried out Hinduism, and Islam, and Buddhism, and what I can tell you after I've done my research is that this is all the same. And so if we can just break down these shallow barriers, we can come together and, and do this great good. And I was sitting to my, to my mind, I was thinking a little bit about this. I'm reading this book called World Religions and it, it, it lays out Islam and in, in Hinduism and Buddhism and Christianity is the only faith where our savior, the son of God, dies to bring life to his people. All the rest of them have interesting philosophies about service and submission and, and righteousness but none of them say, have, at their core, the notion that I need to reconcile with my God, and He's done the work, and I must come to Him on His terms. That we don't we don't share all these philosophies, and neither do we share a sense for how the 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 human how humanity is to be improved and how humanity is to become whole. We don't share the same ideas. Some of us believe that we just need to educate and we just need to fund. And others of us believe that we need to understand that, we, that, that there is God and we're not him and that we need to be reconciled to him on his terms and have a life in him, that, that it, it's in him that we have life, right? And so there's very different philosophies that make it so And if I'm not rooted in the faith, I can believe like this person who professed to me to be a Christian, I can believe that it's all the same. And so that this Trinity thing is not necessary and the need for knowledge of God and righteousness and all this kind of thing is not as important as love. I'll take the love part. The rest of the doctrine, you you know, you can deal with that as you will so you, you can have doubts and what I've also seen then is that for those who say that they are Christian but reject some of our core tenets that there's this weakness of faith they become what I think what I think of as universalist I mean you know I just I just embrace everybody I just I just want to love them and, and, and as Christians it's, it's complicated because we want to love them too But we believe that there is one God and one savior and one spirit, one way to salvation. And so we love everybody, but we we believe the path to righteousness is through Jesus Christ. And if you don't believe that, you'll have weakness in your faith. And that's why some of our, our more nominal Christian friends, we don't see any spiritual maturity in them. There's no real service. They've never really led anybody to Christ. They don't, they don't disciple anyone. They struggle oftentimes with the same kinds of issues year after year, never quite seeming to get deliverance. There's a weakness of faith that comes when you don't embrace God's full message. When you want to, when when you want to pick and choose between the things based on your own sensibilities, the result is that there's a weakness of faith And the other part is there's intimidation by scoffers. And so literally in this conversation I was had, he was like, you don't really believe that you guys have it all right. He says, Lloyd, I've been in Madison for so many years. I know about the problems that you guys have had over at your church. I know about the the stuff. You guys don't have it all right, right? And they, they were making this argument to me and I was, I was, in my mind, I'm like, I got to pull this stuff down. And, and this guy's got 40 years of marriage. And I said to him, I, I came up with an analogy and I said, listen, you're married, yes. Have you and your wife had struggles and fights and issues over the years? He said, yeah, we, we've had some real issues. But are, are, is, the, is the core belief in your marriage covenant, is that still the same as it ever was? Even though you fought and you struggled and stuff? He said, yes, I said, so it is in Christ. Sometimes we don't perfectly live out all of the doctrine that we believe, but that doesn't mean that the doctrine isn't true. So just because we might struggle, just because there might be blemishes on us, God isn't perfectly finished with the church yet, He's still true. There's still one God. There's still a trinity. There's still righteousness. There's still redemption, right? There's still sanctification a growth in Jesus. These things are true even sometimes if we live it out not so beautifully. We can't be intimidated by the scoffers. That's my point. Those who will tell us that our words aren't true. Do you really believe that this is the only kind of marriage? Do, do you really believe Jesus is the only way? Do you really believe in heaven? That's such a silly notion. Don't you know that you live and just die and, and then you just go into nothingness? And so we've got to be prepared to defend ourselves against the scoffers. We've got to know our scripture. We've got, we've got to study other Christian authors. We've got to have, be prepared with a defense, be ready with the hope to explain the hope that is in us. And then outright, sometimes there's a rejection of the faith. And for me, the hardest of, to, to deal with this is when you raise in a household with brothers and sisters and cousins and friends really close, and you've all been re, heard the gospel and your parents preached you the gospel, but then some of us, some of your siblings just have rejected the faith. And it, it's because they never really owned it for themselves. One of the hardest things that, for Christians, is the ones that we love the most, the ones that we've invested in the most, most um, really haven't, by experience, uh. come into fellowship with Jesus Christ through his word and his spirit. So we want that for our people. We don't want our friends to reject the faith, but that is a possibility when you don't get deeply rooted, when you don't take these things seriously and make every effort to grow, you can outright reject the faith. So those are the consequences, some of the consequences of not being deeply rooted. Now, how do we avoid those things? How do we remain in the Word so that you can think rightly and stand firm? I think the main thing is that we have to do something with our minds. We have to pay careful attention to our minds. Uh, Paul says it this in Romans, this way in Romans 12, he says, uh, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I asked my son Jared if I could use this illustration. Jared will go into the shower and he'll turn the temperature on just right and then he'll like sit down in the shower and it'll be five minutes, and then five will turn into 10, and then 10 will turn into 20. In fact, I had to replace my water heater. It was too uh, small, and by the time I would get up, there'd be no hot water, so I had to get a bigger water heater. 10 would turn into 20, 20 would turn into 30. He wanted not to just get kind of clean. He wanted to get refreshed. He didn't want to just get refreshed. He just wanted to get renewed. So it is with the Word of God. We need to be so serious about our devotional life that we just don't want to be splashed on with the word. We, we just don't want a little bit of refreshment. We need to be renewed in the word of God. We need to be constantly coming to it time and time again. And, and um, after I take a shower in my house, I grab this, this uh, moisturizer, it's Equate from Walmart, Equate uh, for dry and cracked skin. You say, Lord, your skin's not dry. Well, that's because I use the moisturizer. I take the moisturizer, I, it's like Vaseline, it's up a little uh, uh, better, and then I put it on there, everything, and it's just amazing what this stuff does. And so when it comes to the word of God, I just don't want to be renewed in it. I just, I need to get the moisturizer. I need to be bathed in the word of God, because it is our life. Our, our whole sustenance comes from, from what Jesus has said. And, and if, if I want to see beauty in the world, if I want to see beauty in my, in my family, if I want to see goodness in my relationships with you, it comes from the things that Peter talks about in 1 Peter 1, 3. Adding faith, the gracious striving, of growing in righteousness, becoming more and more like God. That, that's hearing his voice. That starts really with a desire. If I could just pray like one thing over every Christian, here's my one prayer, that we would love God through his word. It would change our, our whole lives if we had an attitude towards God, a hunger, a thirst after his word would change everything about us. People wanna hear his voice. The other thing I wanna talk about is I wanna talk about having his ear. I wanna talk about your individual prayer life. I said this once before, but I wanna repeat it because it has been making such a tremendous impact on me personally. I have prayed personally, I've prayed with other saints, but the biggest change that has taken place in me lately is praying through the scripture. I can tell you lately the amounts of prayers that God is answering. Here's why I think that this is the case. As I'm praying the scripture, now I'm praying more consistently for things like righteousness, grace, love, truth, mercy. I'm praying that God would make me like himself. My normal prayers are for the typical aches and pains of the world and stuff. Uh, Financial issues and troubles, relational challenges, and I I still wanna pray for those. But now I'm, I'm praying more consistently as I read the scripture and I see how God prays for his people, I'm praying to become more like him. And that's because I'm praying the Scripture. And through praying the Scripture, man, I'm really beginning to see some things in my family that I hadn't seen before. I see some things on our church staff of unity. We're continuing to pray that each of us would become more missions-minded in our our local neighborhoods so that the faith would produce more... um, believers in our own kind of uh, centers of influence. We, we're continuing to pray for that every so often. In fact, it was just real interesting. <laughs> At the staff, we were having these jokes. We were like, man, we're starting to see people come that have all these problems and stuff. And then we had to stop each other. We said, and new people. And we were like, isn't this what we've been praying for? He <laughs> was like, yeah, this is what we've been praying for. We've been praying that those who, who don't know God and it shows up in how they live, that they would come and hear the gospel, and that we would pour our lives into them, and then they would come into the family of God. Aren't you praying like that? And so we're starting to see it. And so we should be rejoicing. We want to have his ear. We want to, we want to consistently pray. We want to praise his name. There is a song called Resurrecting that our worship team. Um, just uh, had started playing. I want to uh, play just a minute and 30 seconds of this song because I want to talk to you about um, uh, the word and in, in song, how singing the word can help build you up in Christ. I want to talk about that through this song, a minute and a half, called Resurrecting, Elevation Worship. was trying to memorize the text for uh, in our memory verses verses uh, two, second Peter one three through eleven. Uh, I had it recorded, and I kept playing it over and over again and after a while of playing it, I started to be able to repeat it, and after a while, I started to be able to make the spiritual connections between the paragraphs, but it took me meditating on those truths over and over before it began to change how I thought and how I felt. When I listened to these songs, I was going through a period of just kind of, um, um, a little bit of uh, dealing with difficult things in relationships. And whenever I deal with that particular relationship issues, I start getting kind of discouraged. And this song, I listened to it and it changed my whole way of thinking in a flash, in about two minutes, because I went from thinking about myself and my relational challenges to thinking about a great and awesome triumphant God. By your spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me in your name. I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrected me. Listen, we need to recognize that despite whatever issues or challenges, or even if you think you're super great, you're nothing impaired compared to the resurrected king. How many of you have re- raised yourself from the grave and poured your spirit into billions across the globe for generations and, and you're recognizing that you're not perfected yet? You're, you're not quite what God would fully have you to be, right? He's resurrecting you day after day, improving through your gracious striving. Giving you the opportunity to become more and more of the husband you're, you're supposed to be, the daughter you're supposed to be, the brother in Christ that you're supposed to be. And so I need this reminder, and somehow the music helps me remember these, these Christian doctrines in a way that just reading can't do by itself. So praise God for the worship t- uh, team and remember the ministry of music and what it can do for our souls. Driving into our hearts, from our heads, into our hearts, this great love for Jesus Christ. And a great love for righteousness. That's what I need. A great love for righteousness. So we praise his name. We have his um, voice. We hear his voice. We have his ear. He listens to our prayer. We praise his name and then... We share his word. Uh, Deborah and I uh, went to Champaign yesterday for a three hour funeral to a guy named Willie Somerville. Willie moved from Arkansas to Champaign to get an education, masters and stayed and joined the church. And he joined (laughs) the SWAT team at his church, soul winning action team. It was said of Willie, who was a teacher. He was a a music teacher, band teacher. That's what you're seeing on some of his students at a public school in Champaign. It was was two things that this this crowd of 800 on on Sunday. The the church was packed, almost standing room only. And there were two more days of, 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 of ceremonies to commemorate this guy's life. Two things people said about him. Students who had went to college at Champagne and went to his school said, you could always come over to Mr. Somerville's house, him and his wife's house, and he'd always have a meal for you. And then he'd always say one thing, no matter whether you were the mayor of Champagne or a, 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 a homeless person, he would say, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And then he would give us his, his testimony of knowing Christ. And he would give a brief gospel presentation. And over the course of 40-some years in the public schools, about 50 years at his church, hundreds of people had come to Jesus. And the thing about Willie that you, you saw when you would run into him years after years, a deeper and more abiding faith came from sharing the word with other people. There's some levels of spiritual growth that we will never have if we don't develop the habit. Of sharing our faith with the unsaved. And so in your small groups this week we want to ask you one of the things to consider is what kind of questions are you having, conversations you're having with the unchurched non-Christians. There's some things you just won't learn about Christ until you begin sharing your faith on a repeated basis. That's the testimony of Willie Somerville. Love, hospitality, and sharing his faith. I got a ways to go. Remember the word so that you can think rightly and stand firm. I want to leave you with uh, some words from Jim Tanner. At elder meetings, we meet uh, the, second, the first and third Tuesdays of every month, and one of the elders will give a devotional. This was the devotional that we got this week from Jim Tanner. Jim works for InterVarsity. And he spends his time trying to lead young college students to Jesus. Some of you know him from that work. He gave these five things that to remember. He says, every day when I get up, I remember these five. I think every Christian would do right to have some core things that we remember about ourselves that will give us positive attitude as we go forward in our life. Here's what he, here's his five. He says this. He says, the first thing is that I am forgiven. He says that I got to recognize that I'm not perfect and I'm not called to be, but that in Christ, through repentance of sins and confession of him as Lord and Savior, I've been forgiven. And if you don't know Jesus, this is the first step of faith, that you would just recognize that there is a God who created us and it's not you. And that there is a way to live that's not yours. And therefore, that you need to recognize that you're, you're not aligned properly. You need to confess your sins. I'm forgiven, he says. I remember this every day. Secondly, he remembers that I am a child of Jesus Christ. His identity. Some of us have struggled with our identity for all of our lives, speaking of myself. I'm poor, I'm whatever. I've been harassed. I'm distracted. I'm a lower class. No. Once you come to Christ, I am a son of Jesus Christ. I'm a child of of Christ. I'm beloved. I'm precious. I'm holy. Think of all the ways in which God refers to his children. All the endearing terms that he has. That's who you are in Christ. That changes your whole identity when you recognize that you're a prince, when you recognize that you're a saint, when you recognize this next thing, that he'll never leave you nor forsake you, that he lives in me. God is in us to guide and to steer and to correct. And I'm I'm never alone. I'm all, he's always there with me. That's something that we need to recognize as we go and deal with some of the difficulties and difficult situations. As we become kind of outnumbered in the world, God with us, that means that we are a majority. And then that I have an abundant life. I like the way Jesus says this in John chapter 10, I forget which verse, might be 11 or 12. I have come that they would have an abundant life. And when we remember Jesus' precious promises, You know, what are the most important promises that you claim in Jesus Christ? I think for me, the two most precious promises that that I have in Christ is that I am redeemed, I'm forgiven, I'm declared righteous in him, and that I have eternal life. Nothing means more to me than those two. I think the third, is that he'll never leave me nor forsake you. What are Jesus's most precious promises to you? I have an abundant life because of what Jesus has given me in the spirit and his word. We need to remind ourselves about that. When things look not as positive out there, we need to remember all that we have in him. I've got everything I need to live a life, uh, to live in life and godliness. Everything I need. My life is abundant. Lastly, then I have eternal life. I don't, I have a hope for tomorrow that's not dependent upon elections and circumstances and my physical health, wars, it's not dependent on that. I'm gonna be with Christ forever. This is the, this is the gospel message, these last five that, that Jim has declared. And maybe someone today needs to come up for prayer and, and talk to someone about these five. You don't quite have this assurance that I'm talking about. Today, I'd like to talk to you. Remember the word so that you can think rightly and stand firm in the faith, whether there's persecution, whether there's false teachers, whether the, the, there are those who scoff at your faith. If you, when you are rightly established in Christ, you can stand firm. Let us pray. Lord, we recognize that the battle for our lives is is fought with ideas. It's fought with ideas and thoughts. And there are a lot of uh, competing uh, ideologies for our loyalty. So in this series, Lord, and the reason you've given us 2 Peter... We thank you for giving us 2 Peter so that we can remember the essential things and grow in them. So Father, help us do that. Help us remember that we are firmly established, that we have everything we need for life and godliness. Let us remember your very great and precious promises that help us participate in your divine nature that keep us away from the corruption that's caused by evil desires. Lord, help us to grow and add to our faith everything from goodness to love. Lord, we want to be like you. We want your your righteousness to shine for it to be so uh, uh, obvious here in Dane County. We want your truth and the goodness of your way to be so clear to our family members and so clear to our neighbors that they would just be drawn into you. They would come running into you, desiring you more than anything. That's our prayer. So help us, Lord, help us to walk even more worthy in the days ahead. In Christ's name we pray, amen.